I am delighted with this episode with Julia Tertian, who I think of as the home's cook, home cook. She has this amazing new cookbook out, and we talked a lot about healthy food and intuitive living and our shared love of honoring our family in recipes. You're going to be delighted with this. Be sure to let me know what you think. I'm so delighted to have Julia Tertian, cookbook author extraordinaire. You've got a new cookbook coming out, which I have an advanced copy of, and I've loved seeing it, and I've read it. Congratulations on your new book. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm so excited about it, and I'm so excited to talk to you about it, or, you know, whatever you want to talk about. I am, I'm here. <laughs> when is it coming out? March 2nd. March 2nd is like a big date for books, books in general. Well, it's... I, the whole thing of like how books only come out on Tuesdays, from what I understand, that's like something carried over from the pre-digital era of, I guess it was like newspaper listed books only on Tuesdays. So the publishing industry has just stayed with that. <laughs> so you only get four options a month, right? Of, right? of when the book comes out. And yeah, I guess March, there's there's a bunch of us. But anyway, I'm excited. It's coming up. So yeah. The who's who of the comments on the book, it, it's something that you must be really proud of. How did that, <laughs> in, you know, in a broader sense, how did that come to be? Because it's pretty amazing. Sure. I, I appreciate you asking because it's it's one of the parts of making books that I enjoy the least because I, uh, I'm always happy if anyone reaches out to me, I'm happy to do pretty much whatever, you know, if it's supporting other cookbook authors or just home cooking in general, you know, sign me up. But for me, asking other people to give me a blurb, you know, that endorsement that comes on the back of the book, asking them to put their name on something that I've worked on, asking them to take some time and read my work, you know, asking for help, <laughs> basically, and support. That's something that just I have a hard time with. Um but I think that this book was a really good experience for me because I'm I'm just, I'm so proud of this book. It's incredibly personal. And so reaching out to those people who, who were so kind to give me that support, it actually was like a really kind of, I don't know, sort of nourishing thing for me to do. And they all responded so positively. And yeah, it's a very surreal experience to send your work out there before it's even really out and ask people who you respect and admire to, you know, be part of it in some way and for them to say yes, it's it's totally surreal. It's like, I don't know, asking someone on a date and not thinking they'll say yes. And then they say yes. It's amazing. Well, congratulations. And I know oh, thank you to do really well. How did you, I mean, I just love to know a little bit about your upbringing. I follow you on Instagram. I have your, um, one of your first cookbooks or small victories. Is that your first or your second? It's my first solo cookbook. Okay. I've done a lot of collaborative work, you know, work on other people's books, but small victories was my first of, of my own. Yep. And did you collaborate with Ina? I, I never collaborated with Ina on any books. I, uh, a few people have asked me that before. I'm not quite sure why you know, that, um, you know, it happens frequently. She was so kind and generous to write the forward for small victories, my first books. So maybe that's where that comes from. She's had me on her show before, which was incredibly nerve wracking, but so wonderful. <laughs> um, and I've done a lot of 
she, she's done a lot of speaking events, you know, across the country, um, usually in conversation with someone. So I've gotten to be that person she's in conversation with a bit before. So we've done that stuff together. She's been incredibly supportive of my work. Um, but no, I haven't worked with her on any of her cookbooks, though. I think it would be so fun because her recipes are so delicious. <laughs> I mean, they're just sort of the gold standard of they really work. Totally. You know, exactly. It makes everybody a hero in the kitchen. Um, exactly. I, I think that's actually true, true about your recipes too. Mm. I mean, they're super down to earth, um, not fussy, but delicious. And I think, you know, it's so thoughtful. I mean, some of the things I really liked in the book, and I, and I wonder if you're a lucky number person because you've got, you know, the things with the 11s and the 7s. <laughs> in my book, I had 48. I had 48 tips. So I love that, that kind of thing that makes it very personal. And so I just have to ask about that. How did that come to be? Yeah. So what you're referring to is there are a lot of numbers that repeat in my book. I have, there's 10 chapters, 11 recipes in each chapter. There's a list of five things at the beginning of the book, or there's five lists at the beginning of the book. Each has five things on it. There's seven lists at the end of the book. Each has seven on it. And honestly, I'm really, if anyone listening is like an expert in numerology or something like that, please call me because I want to know if all of this means anything. <laughs> I, I didn't go into it with any, um, yeah, any big meaning about what any of these numbers mean. They just felt like the right amount for all those various things. And in terms of the number of recipes, as I mentioned, 10 chapters, 11 recipes each, that came about because when I sat down to write the table of contents for the book, which, you know, as you know, from your experience, it's, I feel like it's building the, um, or rather it's, it's drawing the floor plans before you build the house, right? Like here's the framework for the book. Here's everything it's going to include. And so when I sat down to do that and I was thinking about what I wanted this book to include, I came up with these 10 chapters that just seemed very practical and very useful, I, I hope, for home cooks. And at first I was going to do 10 recipes per chapter, you know, 10 by 10 and even 100. That sounded good. And then I just felt like, ooh, what if each one just had 11, like one extra? And so it's 110 recipes altogether. And that just felt like a little sort of that, that kind of just extra feeling, which is honestly how I like to cook. You know, I cook every day at home. My home is just me and my wife, Grace. I mean, we have two dogs too, but in terms of the cooking, it's just for the two of us, but I'm always making a little extra, right? Like I'll always cook, you know, extra potatoes. I'll cook extra rice. I'll cook extra vegetables, whatever I'm making. Cause I always want a little leftover and I feel like that's just kind of how I approach everything. <laughs> you know, I, I try to have that kind of, I don't know, generosity of spirit, that sense of just abundance. Uh, I really try to avoid anything that has to do with restriction or deprivation when it comes to food and cooking. So that little bit of extra, the 11 rather than 10 recipes per chapter just feels kind of aligned with that. I like that too. I'm a gal that's, you know, making extra all the time and I mm -hmm. have neighbors and I very regularly do a text to the neighborhood saying, we've got this today. We've got loaves of bread because we might doing a campaign with grilled cheese, you know, for example, yesterday, or we might have strawberries. I might've got cases of figs, which of course you can't, you know, use all up. So I love to do the text in the neighborhood and it's like, it's on the mailbox. Who's taking what? And uh, so I'm an extra gal too. <laughs> I wish I was your neighbor on grilled cheese day or strawberry day. This sounds excellent. <laughs> People absolutely love it for sure. 
One of the things I liked about the book was this idea of it's healthy, but healthy doesn't mean, it doesn't have to mean, you know, we're just having a steamed vegetable. Health in, in all ways, um, you know, including, you know, that you and I are people that really care a lot about where does the food come from and how to support local and, and all of that. So just tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, I, I do think we have a lot of overlap in this department. Uh, it's part of why I was so excited to talk with you about this, because I think a lot of our values around food and cooking, and especially what we consider healthy, there is a lot kind of in our, I don't know, shared Venn diagram, I guess. And for me, healthy is a word whose definition is just constantly evolving for me. And at this point in my life, when I think about what is healthy food, how do I feel healthiest when I eat? What feels like healthy cooking to me? All of these questions I ask myself, and I do ask myself these questions regularly. The answer I come to these days has very little to do with anything like, um, you know, vitamins or definitely nothing to do with calories or anything like that. It has entirely to do with how I feel. What is my relationship? to what I'm cooking and what I'm eating. And ultimately, what's my relationship to my own body? How do I feel about it? Because I lived most of my life feeling not wonderful about my body and feeling like I was failing at being this thing I thought called healthy. And for so long, I thought healthy meant skinny and I thought it meant thin. And I've come to understand that they are not synonyms for each other at all. And I feel so grateful so grateful to live in a healthy body. And I want to take care of that body. And one of the ways I do that is, is cooking <laughs> and cooking offers me so much. I mean, it, it calms my mind. You know, I, I wrote an essay about cooking and anxiety in this book, you know, just the act of cooking, being in my kitchen, you know, no shoes on the dogs are running around. I have music on or a podcast or something. It just makes me feel so relaxed. It makes me feel in control and then when I sit down to eat and I've made something that I am in the mood for, and I've, you know, I, I know the farmer who grew the vegetable because I live in a pretty rural area and I get to have relationships like that where I live. I mean, that, that's like an extraordinary sense of connection. And I try to just really enjoy it as much as possible. And all those things, when you add them up, feels like a really healthy relationship to me. And, you know, like all relationships, the healthiest one I can think of is just very respectful, very positive, very loving, you know, full of good communication. You know, I mentioned, I ask myself these questions a lot, like I check in with myself. So yeah, those are just some scattered thoughts on that subject. Love it. What would you say you're working on right now? For example, I mean, you're clearly, you're a pretty self-examined person. Mm. Um, and what would you say like right now is up for you in terms of what you're pushing into and what you're working on personally? Yeah, such a wonderful question. Um, I would say right now, to be completely honest, and I don't know how this lands for you, something oh, yeah. I'm working on, yeah. <laughs> something I'm working on a lot right now is my relationship to social media and technology and just how often I'm on my phone or on my computer, you know, how much of my life happens in front of a screen. And, you know, I mentioned I live in this pretty rural area. We live near a lot of farms and I'm actually planning after the book comes out to spend the rest of the year working at a friend's farm, which is very new to me. That is, you know, I've spent my whole career making books. So just for, you know, a few months out of my life, I'm going to try something different and it feels really exciting. And I think you know, my work in, in therapy, my work in my marriage and in my friendships, you know, all this work I do communicating with myself and the people around me 
has really led me to feel like, I don't know, very much like I want to lean into, to use your words, like my relationships kind of one-on-one and in-person and outdoors and all these things I don't always experience on my phone and computer. That said, my phone and computer have introduced me to amazing people and amazing conversations. Like, I feel like you and I have sent messages over the years and, you know, we haven't sat down and had a meal together, but I still feel connected to you, you know, and that's amazing. Like, I don't take that for granted, but I'm just trying to kind of reassess that, uh, department of my life, I guess, not throw it away, just, you know, check in with it. Absolutely. My partner always says, you know, Terry, there's a finite amount of time. And I think you're going to have to determine how you want to spend that time. Mm-hmm. It's sort of what I'm working on in my life is just, I'm, you know, now of a certain age where it's like, do I want to be just working myself to the bone? You know, is that what I want my legacy to be? And of course it's a lot more, a lot of what happened for me was really once my kids left and then saying, you know, I want another chapter. Um, but it is about that. It's, you know, for me, it's like, how can I incorporate more health, you know, more movement, more water, more rest, um, you know, and I do, I mean, I, I resonate with that idea of just being in the kitchen. There's nothing I love more than when I'm making something purely for myself, yeah. not thinking about the blog, you know, because there's just that pressure where it's like, we've got to perform, we've got to have new recipes, we've got to, and that can make a person, you know, crazy. And I, you know, how do you deal with all of that? Because you're always writing uh, another book. <laughs> well, I will say right now, I just want to just acknowledge that as we were having this conversation, I am watching you drink the most enormous jar of water. <laughs> and I think that's amazing. So you are walking the walk. You're not just talking about these things. So I just, I know people can't see that if they're listening. So I just want to <laughs> say what I'm seeing. Um, so how do I manage that? I mean, I don't, I don't know that I manage it well, to be honest. Um, I think that's part of why I'm looking forward to, you know, taking this uh, position on the farm crew for a few months and really separating myself from, (laughs) from my devices. But I mean, in terms of books, you know, I feel like your work is so much more, um, I don't know the right word for this. It's so much more daily than mine. Like you're so active on social media. Um, The content you put out comes out so regularly. And I, for the most part, my bread and butter, I mean, quite literally (laughs) is, is books, uh, which don't happen as quickly. Um, You know, they take more time. I'm working on them all the time and I work a ton and you know, I'm active on social media, but it's not where I'm making my income. It's not, it's not the bulk of my profession by any means. It just is kind of like a support for it, I would say. Um, so, you know, I throw myself into every book I work on and it's a pretty intense experience every time I work on a book, but the thing about books is they end, you know, you send them in, they get printed, they come out, you know, you have this whole other job or uh, energy output of, of promoting the book, but usually that's really pleasant. It's getting to have a conversation like this with, you know, a nice person who's been thoughtful about my work and asking me questions like, you know, this is not a hardship by any means. This is a pleasure. Um, but figuring out all the logistics and stuff around, you know, scheduling Zoom meetings and stuff like that, like that is work. So, you know, that takes time, but it's it's sort of this peak and valley thing because every time a book is over, there is this kind of come down. Um, 
and I've come to understand over the years as I've worked on so many books that that's just part of it. You know, I used to feel really down every time like the come down sort of happened. And I used to fear, you know, I wouldn't get another book to work on, whether it was a collaborative book or my own next book. So I think over time I've, I've developed, I guess, a bit more um, confidence, but also just like a sense of reality of with most, most creative projects, when you complete them, they're, they're completed. <laughs> you know, that's the goal. That's part of it. Um, and, you know, that makes room for the next thing, whatever it might be. We'll be right back with more No Crumbs Left Table Talks. So, Mom, earlier today, I actually coined a phrase that you, as a person who loves California prunes, I think you're going to love it. I am a prune enthusiast. What do you think? We got to trademark that. I absolutely love it. But in all seriousness, as a home cook, I love the versatility of California prunes, how they're great for sweet or savory. And I don't know if you know this, but they can totally replace sugar in a recipe, but still it's actually really good for you. Everybody should be a prune enthusiast. Let's just say it. Let's go. What's your normal, I'm just wondering because you, you do this and it's different in some ways than what I do. Um, what is your normal work day? Do you kind of have that as a writer or working on your cookbook? It's like, I work for six hours a day or like, what's that, what's that like? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish I was that person because it sounds so relaxing to me to know exactly what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. I am, I don't know. I, I feel like in my going back to sort of an earlier thing we were talking about in terms of like food and healthy and whatever, something that's been really helpful for me is learning about and really leaning into intuitive eating, which, you know, is very much about getting in touch with just your body and what it wants and when it wants it kind of like as you were when you were a child. And I also feel that way a bit about my work life, which is basically, I always have a list of what needs to get done, like a literal list <laughs> of things. And I try to be in touch with my kind of intuitive self to know what I'm kind of in the mood to do and what I'm up for. You know, I have so much freedom and flexibility in my work and the way I'm describing how I go about it really demonstrates that. I mean, I always have a ton of work to do. I always get it done, but I don't do it on a particular schedule. And I, you know, earlier today I was editing a podcast episode and I've come to really enjoy editing my podcast because when I do it, I can't do anything else. You know, I have to listen very closely and I'm like editing audio, which is not something I ever thought I would do, but I actually like have come to love it because it keeps me just really focused. And I have this, I don't know, this short article that I'm supposed to turn in tomorrow that I know I'll do it, but I just haven't really felt like doing it. And I just had the stamina to keep editing the audio. So I just went with it, you know? Um, so, I mean, this all sounds very kind of like relaxed and whatever I'm in the mood for. Sometimes there are, you know, firm deadlines and stuff. And especially when working on something like a book where you can't leave it to the last minute, I do try to structure my time a bit, but I usually do that by just breaking things down into these extremely achievable goals. So instead of saying, you know, from nine to one o'clock, I'm going to work on the book. And from, you know, one to four, I'm going to take phone calls or something. For me, as opposed to allocating time blocks, I sort of allocate just 
I guess, tasks or things on the list. And I try to keep those things as small as possible. So today I'm going to write three headnotes for, you know, the book I'm working on, which, you know, a headnote is the little introduction to the recipe. I know you know that, but, you know, if anyone doesn't know. And so that means like three paragraphs at most, it's not a ton of work. But by giving myself that achievable goal, it doesn't feel daunting and I'll actually do it as opposed to put it off. You know, if I said, write all the head notes for the first five chapters or something, that just feels so daunting to me. I'm never going to get it done. But I usually find if I say I'm going to do three, I'll usually end up doing more than that. But that like achievable goal really helps. So yeah, I guess that mixture of breaking down the goals and also just being in touch with where my energy is, because if it's not happening, like, let's say I sit down to write head notes and I'm just like feeling antsy and fidgety and I don't want to be writing. Maybe that's the time for me to stand up and go test a recipe and do something physical. Or maybe that's a time for me to go take a walk and listen through to an interview I have to edit, Um, you know, something like that. And so, uh, yeah, I try to just kind of do that. I'm basically the most productive procrastinator in the world. Like I'm always doing something. I'm just never doing what I probably should be doing. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so we both are home cooks and have mm-hmm. a passion. I mean, that's just something I really relate to is that I really have a passion for other home cooks. I actually do. I want to have you in one week. I have a weekly newsletter called Friday Favorites and I'm, I'm highlighting, you know, home cooks and talking a lot about cooking and whatnot. Um, which is just fun. So just tell me about your love of home cooks. I love how you mm. celebrate them. Yeah, we that is definitely a love we share. Um, I think home cooks are so undervalued, so underappreciated. You know, home cooks are the people who keep homes running, <laughs> who, who literally sustain them, you know, and the people who live in homes, that's, you know, most of us. And that means, you know, families and groups of friends and roommates and, and the people who cook for other people at home, I just think deserve a lot of credit because I think when we cook at home, it's not just cooking, you know, and I know, you know, this, it's, it's also things like planning, (laughs) you know, maybe keeping a budget, um, grocery shopping, it's remembering what's in the fridge or freezer that needs to be used up. You know, it's being very resourceful. It's being creative. It's often accommodating a lot of different, uh, you know, people's desires or maybe dietary restrictions or allergies, you know, being very considerate. It's usually a lot of cleaning up. (laughs) You know, there's a lot that happens when we cook a meal at home. And I think all of that work, I mean, it's true work. It's, it should be valued and it should be, I think, honored and celebrated for what it is because it's really important. And I also think home cooks are the people who hold so much culture. You know, if you talk to home cooks around the country, you'd get, you know, a portrait of, of lives around the country, you know, needless to say, like the entire world. And I know at the end of the day, if, if, if I'm invited to go eat at a really fancy restaurant or someone's grandmother's house, like I will always go to the grandmother's house you know, absolutely. (laughs) I feel much the same way. Absolutely. Um, Just to change topics, I know that you're openly gay and you talk about your beautiful wife Mm -hmm. and that representation is something that matters to you and share with us about that. Sure. Um, No, and this is something you've been very supportive of. (laughs) Like every time I post, you know, a picture of me and Grace on Instagram or something, you're always so kind and Um, Yeah, I feel so incredibly grateful for so much in my life, including that in my work, 
I get to show up as my full self, which is being a very proud, openly gay woman. As you mentioned, I talk a lot about my wife in my work. Um, you know, that stems from a few things. One is, I mean, she's wonderful and I love her and, you know, I love talking about her. I'm biased, I know, but <laughs> many others agree. Um, the other thing is, as we were just talking about, you know, I write about what I cook at home for other people who cook at home. And, you know, it's from one home cook to another. And Grace is the person who I cook for the most, you know, it's the two of us at home. So she appears in a lot of my recipes and a lot of the stories behind them. I'm often making things that I, I know, or I hope that she'll enjoy because that gives me a lot of satisfaction. Um, so yeah, Grace comes up in a lot of my work and I'm, I'm so happy about that because in sharing our just sort of everyday home life, our just domestic life together, it allows me to kind of paint this portrait of what our, our married life looks like. And I think that in and of itself is something really valuable, you know, just as I think there's a lot of inherent value in, in well-tested, you know, trustworthy recipes, like how, you know, we were talking about Ina Garten's recipes, like the gold standard, like they are foolproof. Um, that is really valuable. That means when someone makes one of her recipes, you know, when you go buy the groceries for that, you're not going to be wasting your money. You know, it's going to turn out well. That's really valuable. Um, I try to do that with my recipes. And I also think there's a similar value in, in sharing so much of myself and my personal life, because I think it does create just a lot of just quite literal representation. And, you know, that's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but for me, it's, it's really important to think through what that means because representation creates connection. That to me is the most valuable thing ever. That's the whole point of food, right? Like when we sit down to eat, it's not about what we eat. It's about getting to connect with each other, getting to have the conversation we have over the meal. That is so important. <laughs> and it's kind of like, I think just one of the most powerful things about food. And so when I get to bring myself to my work and create that representation and create that connection, so much good happens. You know, I have had so many amazing conversations with other queer women, other members of the queer community. I've had so many conversations with people who tell me, you know, what it means to them to see me, a woman, write the word wife over and over in a cookbook. You know, I get to know them and get to feel the experience of that connection on my side of things. And I think it's also really powerful for people, you know, outside of the queer community who are, you know, friends and allies of the queer community or who are, or who are not, and who maybe are open to becoming a friend or ally. And I think to see something like my marriage reflected in something as kind of ordinary and as friendly as a cookbook, you know, it's a lot different than if I wrote a memoir about, you know, like, like Julia's gay memoir, <laughs> you know, with a big pride flag on the cover. I mean, I, that would be something I'd be like happy to do and proud to share, but it's different to weave these stories into a cookbook. You know, it's, it's a little bit of like a, I don't know, kind of Trojan horse type of thing. <laughs> and, you know, I can share these things in a, a, maybe a little bit more of an unexpected way, which sometimes is really powerful. So yeah. Thanks for asking about that. In my cookbook, I really shared a lot, a lot in the background about the family that I came from and my parents who are both gone, but 
I, mm-hmm. I really want to bring present in my life, you know, always. I just wove them in with images, family images, you know, family china, napkins with symbols that were my mother mm-hmm. symbols were my father. And really it was for me, you know, it was, it was a love letter to my family and it was a love letter to my mother. Oh, I could cry when I say that. It was mm-hmm. really a love letter to my mother. And then it's something that my kids get to, you know, bring forward in their lives and always have sort of that is, I think that's the real magic for me, you know, in, in doing the book. I agree with you so much. And I'm so glad you had the opportunity to do that. And it's something that I also had the opportunity to do in Simply Julia. And, you know, this is my most personal book I've ever worked on. I mean, all my work has been pretty personal, but this is the most personal. And there's a lot of things that contribute to that. But one is doing exactly what you did in your work. I included a lot of family photos and memories. And, you know, there's there's a picture in the book next to one of the recipes. And it's a picture of me when I'm a teenager, like in high school. I'm with my mom and my two aunts, my mom's sisters. And both of my aunts are, they're no longer alive. Um and I was really close to both of them. They were very, very kind of formative figures in my life. I was especially close to my Aunt Debbie. And, you know, to have that photograph not just be, you know, in a frame on my wall or in an album on my shelf, but to have it printed in a book feels really important. It feels, again, really valuable to use a word that I just keep going back to. Um and I feel so lucky to kind of preserve their memories and, you know, to kind of carry their, their, their batons. And it's, you know, that's what we all get to do with food and with family recipes, you know, whether or not you're a published cookbook author. Um, but for people like ourselves who have the privilege of doing that, it's a way to really commit our memories to paper and, you know, books tend to last longer than people, you know, not to be like morbid, but it's like, you know, this is this way I get to kind of extend my family that feels really, really special. And I'm just, I'm so glad I was able to do it. And I'm glad that's an experience we share. What is a food memory that you have, like something growing up that you, when you think about it, because of course it doesn't even have to be, I mean, in so many ways, my mother made this great ham salad and and I love it because it was just like all of her love and she didn't love to cook mm-hmm. this special ham salad. Now, you know, who cares about ham salad? Well, I do, but um <laughs> What are some food memories or things that you, you know, that you think of that you just, you want to make because it brings you back there? Sure. Oh my gosh. I could answer this question for like the next four hours, probably. I don't know how long you want this podcast to be. So many of the recipes and Simply Julia answer this question. There are so many recipes in the book that are things I loved growing up. But as you were just asking me that question, the first thing that came to mind, um, is actually something my mother made. And my mother almost never cooked when I was growing up. Um, but on weekends, so both my parents worked full-time since before I was born and really did very little cooking at home during my childhood. My dad would cook sometimes on the weekends, would cook dinner. But my mom would sometimes cook breakfast on Saturday or Sunday mornings. And that was pretty much it. And one of the things she would make for a weekend breakfast was matzo brai is also known as fried matzah, which is like an old Jewish classic, like an Ashkenazi Jewish classic. And um, if you know it, you know it. And if you don't, it's basically you take matzah crackers, which are just, you know, plain crackers. We usually eat on Passover, but 
in a lot of families like mine, we always have a box in the cupboard and you break them up like in a colander and you actually run hot water over them. You just kind of soften them and you mix them with some beaten eggs and you cook them in a pan with some butter. And it's basically a way to kind of stretch a few eggs um, into a bigger meal. And I loved this so much when I was a kid, we would eat it in our house. Some people have it sweet. Some people have it savory. We would do the sweet one where my mom would just put a canister of sugar on the table and everyone would sprinkle theirs with however much they wanted. And I didn't make or have matzo braai for like a number of years. And then when Grace, my wife and I got married, it was something I sort of brought into our marriage and we now eat it all the time. And my, and Grace, who's not Jewish, she loves it maybe even more than I do. She makes it all the time and it's just so comforting. And it's, you know, it's made of like these very affordable, very, um, you know, accessible ingredients that are just very easy to have around. And it just always makes me feel like, I don't know, kind of like a weekend with my family and that feels really good. And now it can be part of my weekend or, you know, weekday with the family that I chose and it just feels really special. So yeah, matzo brai. I love that. I love hearing people's, you know, food memories and the things that they love and, you know, what yeah. our family and those moments back to us. What haven't I asked you about the book that I should? <laughs> what haven't you asked me? I don't know. Um, well, it, here's the thing. I, I I love the book. I'm so grateful to have gotten an advanced copy. It's so beautiful. You put your total heart into it. And it's, it's a beautiful book. And I love, you know, one tip I love is sort of like, not only do you say eight minutes, and this is the thing in writing a book, it's so stressful because it is eight minutes on mine, but you tell people what is going to happen because the reality yes. is it could be five minutes or, um, and I think that's always the thing in writing a recipe. I'm a home cook. I'm not really a recipe writer. And in doing a book, that's always what's stressful for me about a book mm. or about a recipe is I just want it to come out as good for you as it is, you know, it comes out for me. So I like that you, you have that in there. I think that's great. Yeah. I, I thank you for bringing that up because it's something I put a lot of thought into because, you know, cooking at home, being really comfortable cooking at home is really different than knowing how to write a really strong recipe. And the amount of thought that goes into a well-written recipe is again, something that I think is very undervalued. And I think just maybe just not so known how much goes into it. And, you know, when I write a recipe, I'm not just writing it for myself in my kitchen where I know how hot my stove gets, or, you know, I know that my oven kind of is, you know, colder on one side than the other, or, you know, I know the size of the skillets I have because I've had the same ones forever. You know, I'm writing recipes for people to make across the world in various home kitchens. And there's so many variables, right? So that's why, while I, that's why I do exactly what you said. Like, I will never say, okay, this will take eight minutes. I'll say, cook this until, you know, it smells like this and it looks like this and this is happening, which will take probably about eight minutes, you know, because some people might take more, some people might take less. Most people aren't going to look at a clock while they're cooking. You know, most people are just going to cook. So I try to give as many of those clues and descriptions as I can just to make people feel taken care of. And my goal is always to answer any question you might have before you know you might have it that's a pretty impossible goal to achieve because, you know, I just, I don't know everyone's questions. Um, but that is the standard I try to hold for myself with my recipes. That's a good one. So <laughs> is it, is it March 2nd? What March date? 2nd. You got what, it. 
Matt Birch. Oh, it's it. so fun to see you hold holding yeah, it. <laughs> I, I'm so, so delighted to have it. So it's March second. You know, I know that of course it helps authors if we pre-order because you know everybody wants to get the New York Times or Wall Street Journal bestselling list. So to the extent that people can. And thank you so much. Tell me where people find you. I know on your page sure. you're talking not only about food but diversity and inclusion about volunteering, about, you know, your home life and things that you're passionate about. Yeah, well, and I appreciate the push for the pre-order because it does really make a difference. And uh, there's a really, really great cookbook author, Virginia Willis, who I know who she once said something to me that I have held on to for years. And she said, the New York Times list is just as important as the PTA list. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, all those kind of accolades and stuff, that's great. But I just care about as many home cooks as possible who want to feel taken care of in the kitchen. Like that's who I want to reach. Like that's what matters to me. So yes, pre-order it. And where can you find me? I'm on Instagram uh, frequently and Twitter less frequently and both at Tertian, which is just my last name, T-U-R-S-H-E-N. I have a website that's just my name.com. Well, it's juliatertian.com, not my name.com. <laughs> I don't know where that goes. Um, but all the information about me and my work is there, you know, all my podcast episodes, all the information for my virtual book tour, you know, all that kind of stuff is right there. And you can find me wherever you buy your books. So, yeah. Wonderful. What a pleasure. Thanks so much. I loved having you on. I admire your work and it's so much fun to talk. And I know we would have many more things to talk about also. So hopefully yeah. we get to see each other in person. And at some point I'd love to be uh, at your table watching you cook and having fun. I think that would be so much fun. And I look forward to it. And until then, just thank you for your ongoing support. It's meant a lot to me. And I just hope you and yours stay safe and well and, and warm. Yep. Which we need to. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Terry. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode with Julia. Wow, she's delightful. Be sure to come find me over on Instagram, Facebook, the blog, and definitely subscribe to the podcast. Have a great day.